Welcome, everyone, to another edition of the Sports Medicine Update, a weekly podcast for yours truly, and, of course, the fabulous, the honorable, the sensational, he's the best in the business, ladies and gentlemen, he's Dr. Chad Padromas. Chad, how are you? You're doing very well, Jerry. How about you? I'm doing fantastic. Chad Padromas is the president of Illinois Sports Medicine and Orthopedic Centers. And I won't go through all of his uh, credentials because we'll be here all day and all night and all week long. But he is the editor-in-chief of the Anterior Cruciate Ligament Basic Science and Reconstruction. And he is the uh, co-founding member of the American College of Regenerative Medicine. This is his weekly podcast, a sports medicine update. And if you miss anything, part of this update or part of this uh, podcast, you can certainly tune in to Facebook, YouTube, Periscope, Twitter. Uh, just Google the Sports Medicine Update for all the insight on sports medicine and injuries. And, Doc, before we get started, just want to see how you're doing. How's everything going? No injuries on your front, I'm hoping. No, I you know, personally, I feel good. Uh, things are getting busy again in the sports medicine and sports um, surgery business as we're yeah. letting us do, do some more cases, uh, which is which is the way I like it. You know, uh, uh, before we dive into things, it's... it's Kind of curious. I'm sure people wonder, do doctors ever get like injured or sick or anything like that? Have you had any serious injuries? Of course, you focus on, you know, joints regarding the knees and the ankles and the, and the shoulders and those sorts of things. But have you ever sustained or uh, had a serious injury in your 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 your, your years? You know, um, thank goodness. Um, uh Never had. I uh, medical school. I messed up my ankle. Was casted for a while, but that was about all. Um, but uh, no, you know this business is kind of like the show must go on. And um, uh, when you're in uh, when you're in surgical residency, if you get some kind of a problem, you take a day or two off. Uh, with the long hours you work anyway, then your buddy has to work twice as hard. So uh, right. the basic idea is, if, you know, bone isn't sticking out through the skin in general. You kind of Try to go to work and do your job. Yeah. You got to roll up those sleeves and uh, get the grind in. I certainly understand. And I guarantee you many, many people around, uh, of course, the Chicagoland area and uh, around the world are very appreciative of all the work that doctors put in, especially you with your uh, your specialty, your expertise uh, regarding sports medicine and orthopedics and, you know, uh, the joints and everything. I wanted to talk with you Chad, about, you know, shoulder injuries. But, you know, I, I wanted to kind of get back to what we had discussed briefly on our first episode uh, a week ago regarding um, baseball and softball and, and pitching and throwing. And I shared with you that when I was a kid, you know, we were told that if you throw a sidearm, you can damage your arm and your shoulder a lot more serious and faster as opposed to throwing overhand, like you're supposedly allegedly properly, you know, taught to to to, to throw. Uh, can you elaborate on, on a little bit more of that for those who probably uh, missed our conversation and like to learn a little bit more? Yeah, Jerry. You know, I was interested when you said that last week because, as I shared with you, the reason that I was always given for throwing overhead is uh, straight over the top. You say straight over the top, you're likely to be more accurate, and you know that may be true depending on the person. Um, but a, a great example comes from the ladies. You know, they're, they're, they're generally smarter than the guys. And I think with, uh, with, with, with ladies 
fast pitch softball, um, they throw underhand, as you know. And, um, you know, I not not a whole lot of shoulder injuries. And, uh, you know, Jenny Finch got a lot of uh, one of the best to ever play. Um, Mm -hmm. And she was charismatic as well. And they throw very, very hard um, straight underhand. Um, it's it's just a lot more natural. I mean, our arms hang at our sides. They don't they don't go over our heads. Maybe for a reason. So um, yeah, I think I think coming down um, with your arm three quarters sidearm submarine is a way to preserve your shoulder, not hurt it. And you know, as we also mentioned last week, then you start to get into all kinds of functional arguments. And again, we mentioned with the quarterbacks, you know, there are people that say, well, don't come down. And then there are people, you know, you brought up Patrick Mahomes with the idea that you can throw from different platforms and it's a plus if you're able to do it. So I think it's a, uh, an issue with consistency and can you do it? But physiologically, um, I, I, I think it's better. Hey doc, but there, there are some folks out there, uh, who say that, you know, the human body, you, you mentioned that our arms, they hang down to our side. Some people, uh, they suggest that it's not good uh, throwing in general, especially for an extended period of time because of the range and the motion and the continuous winding of the shoulder, which obviously we've seen a lot of uh, different shoulder uh, rot- rotator cuff injuries over the years, especially on a professional level. But there are some people who argue the fact that, you know, throwing a baseball uh, the way that you do and, and, and winding your arm the way that you do on your shoulder is just simply not good. What do you say to those people? Yeah, that's that is undoubtedly true. And it's gotten worse as people have thrown harder. And probably most of our knowledgeable sports mm-hmm. um, audience here has seen slow motion of uh, pitchers throwing, you know, the usual overhead and the torque is just crazy actually as so in general when your arm is elevated the shoulder is unhappy when your arm reaches behind yourself your shoulder is a little unhappy and it predisposes to damage to the rotator cuff so Mm -hmm. i I take care of a lot of athletes with rotator cuff problems but the worst problems i see are in working people and it is people whose arms are habitually overhead electricians painters others who get the worst problems. And this translates to sports in the shoulder in general. It's just, it's just not good. Um, but you know, even worse is the torque that's put on the inside of the elbow. Because as you say, Jerry, your arm gets wound up and you store potential energy and then you uh, release it. And the epidemic of ulnar collateral ligament is what it's called, tears and Tommy John surgeries because of what it does to the elbow um, is, you know, is just amazing. And now with everybody, you know, lots of people thrown into the nineties, um, it, it just pushes the body to the point beyond which it can function. Um, I'm, I'm kind of for, for young baseball players, I'm kind of reminded of Greg Maddox's famous quote. So, you know, hall of fame pitcher, one of the best ever, through, I, I can't give you exact statistics, but a lot of his stuff was in the 80s. And he one time said, he said, you know, I forget exactly if he compared, compared himself to Roger Clemens or just said in general, but he basically said, yeah, I just do the, I do the same kind of pitching as the guys that throw harder do. I just do it at a slower pace. His point was, 
that, you know, throwing 95 or 98 isn't what it's all about. It's changing speeds and control and all that kind of thing. Um, And so, you know, just just gearing up and throwing as hard as you can. You're right. The the shoulder, the elbow, maybe more so just kind of isn't designed to withstand that for long. Yeah, and we know that there are a lot of pictures of that Tommy John surgery. It's interesting when we talk about the shoulders, uh, a couple of things that have come to mind, but one in particular, and it re, you know, it, it, and of course, Doc, Dr. Chapadromas, we, you know, we're not only addressing, you know, the professional athletes and, and what they go through, but of course, you know, collegiate athletes, high school athletes, and, you know, the amateur athlete, the weekend warrior uh, that goes out there, whether under the, the softball field or even playing baseball. Um, but, we also kind of miss over the lay person. I just learned this. I, I didn't, cause I gave it no thought, but a friend of mine told me she has a, uh, a friend who's a, uh, a flight attendant and she's been doing it for 30 plus years and she has a bad shoulder and you scratch your head. Why does she have a bad shoulder? Right. But it's because of all the wear and tear of reaching up to get the luggage from the overhead carrier area. Correct. The bag. And, over the years with pulling it down and putting it up and making sure that it closed that the wear and tear caused damage to to her shoulder. Uh, have you seen uh, many of those cases come through? All the time, you know, in flight attendants and in working people in general. And actually what I tell every, all of my shoulder patients is just mm-hmm. what I was saying to you, the shoulder is happy with your elbows at your side. And if you're going to lift it, lift it in front of you. If you lift it out to the side, it can do it. It's a little more stressful. If you lift it behind yourself, it's even worse. So I, um, you know, I do surgery on a few people with bad injuries, but most people with this problem, it, it isn't a surgical problem. Um, we do PRP and stem cell treatments, but most people, it isn't that either. For most people, a little physical therapy and especially activity modification mm-hmm. is key. And in fact, you know, so I go through people with what they do and work, recreation, activities, daily living, and say, well, try to keep your elbows closer to your body. And one thing that I tell people is when I was, took driver's ed in high school 100 years ago, they told us to put our hands at 10 o'clock and 2 o'clock. Exactly. And so, you know, I had a driver's ed teacher and as a patient a couple of years ago, and he had a shoulder, bad shoulder like this. And so I said to him, I said, you know, I said, I know you guys tell people to drive with your arms at 10 o'clock and two o'clock. But actually what I recommend to people is to put your arms at four o'clock and eight o'clock. Cause if you're going to be driving for a while, it's, it's just a gratuitous source of aggravation to your shoulder to keep your elbows up. And he said, you know, doc, he said, actually we do tell people four o'clock and eight o'clock. So I guess somewhere over the last 40, 50 years, you know, people kind of figured this out, but yeah, absolutely. The best thing you can do is keep your elbows close to your side. Um, and because as, as you say, you know, with rotator cuff problems, um, the, the rotator cuff wears out over time gradually, no matter what, and right. if we all lived long enough, we'd all eventually tear our rotator cuffs and it just wears out quicker in some people than others because of genetics and because of what you do to it. So if you can kind of keep your elbows in tight, it just wears out slower. Okay. Sounds good. Now, I do understand it's no more 10 and 2 with the driver's edge and they're telling the kids. I think now what they're telling uh, the driver's doc is that it's 9 and 12 now. I, I, you know, that's what I heard. I don't know if it's uh, 9 if and 12. Right? Or, uh, I've, I've heard that as well. Um, but real quick, uh, 
again, you got some baseball historians out there and baseball purists, and they scratch their head. And part of the answer is because of, you know, economics and, you know, the, the price of salaries as far as baseball pitchers are concerned nowadays. And I have to say we are in the Chicagoland area. Uh, Dr. Chad Prodromus, the uh, sports medicine uh, update, it's a weekly podcast. But I have to ask this question to you um, because back in the day when we were little guys, Wilbur Wood, you remember Wilbur Wood who pitched for the I Chicago White Sox. And <laughs> I mean, he would throw until his arm would fall off. I, he's pitched a doubleheader before when they used to play doubleheaders. But you look at pitchers today and it's, they, they they barely could go four and a half, five innings before they're taken out. And if they have a little, you know, a slight pain, you know, they're based on a DL or whatever. What's the difference between Wilbur Wood pitching 200 plus innings in, uh, in a year time, two games in one day, and now you can barely get pitchers to, you know, to get to 80, 80 innings in a season? So I'll tell you the great point. And so Wilbur Wood, as you know, was a knuckleball pitcher. And mm-hmm. the knuckleball is, is really not meant to be thrown hard. It mystified me why, I mean, it's hard to control for sure, but, and the catchers hate it because they don't know where it's going. Right. But it mystifies me why more people haven't tried to use it. So, you know, with him, it was the uh, knuckleball. But then, you know, beyond him, you look at all the other players that, so when I was a kid and the Cubs in the 60s that, you know, that the 69 Cubs, that famous collapse show, those guys, uh, it, the norm then was 300 innings, people, as you know. And now, well, you know, 200 is the new 300. Um, and I'll tell you what I think the answer is. Um, I think it pretty clearly is the weightlifting that's done for arms. Now, you know, the, the, the power from your shoulder comes from your legs. And there were actually very interesting EMG, they're called electrical studies, that were done on the West Coast um, by some pioneering orthopedic surgeons um, out there, one study in particular that found that it wasn't the strength of your rotator cuff or other muscles, it was the coordination. They compared they compared minor league pitchers and major league pitchers and found that the strength didn't differ much, if at all, but the coordination, when you throw, it's a, it's a sequential series of contractions and relaxations of the muscles. And the people that threw the best and the hardest would contract one and then relax it when the next one contracted and then relax it when the next one contracted. So it was really kind of a coordination issue. And the people that didn't throw as hard were just as strong, but they were keeping muscles contracted simultaneously. And I say this because everybody weight trains now and everybody's big and strong. And in, you know, you, you look at, you look at sports footage from the sixties in baseball, basketball, football, and compared to the way people look now, the people from back then looked like high school players. You know, look at look at the old Boston Celtics. Look at the 69 Cubs and how ripped all the guys are now. Now, in football, I think you have no choice but to do that. Um, but um, in baseball, um, I, I don't know. You probably throw a little harder if you work out. But the wear and tear is just tremendous. And, you know, it used to be the case that people who needed to be loose um, – Baseball players, swimmers, uh, lifting weights was anathema. They said, you know, don't do it. You're going to get too tight and you injure yourself. And I'm absolutely convinced that that's what's happened. In fact, I had I was at, at an event a couple of years ago and Fergie Jenkins, Ferguson Jenkins, Hall of Fame pitcher for the Cubs, 300 innings every year. Um, 
never got hurt um, or rarely, but virtually never. I mean, in those guys, you know, it's Fergie Jenkins and Ken Holtzman and Bill Hands. I st- you know, still remember the rotation, right? And this guys, you could just, it was like clockwork. You count on them all the time. Um, but, but anyway, so I said, I said, Hey Fergie, um, and I was a kid at the time. I said, were you guys lifting weights? And he said, heck no. He said, because everybody knew, you know, if you did that, um, you got hurt, you know, maybe for your legs. Um, it, it is so inculcated in the, and, and I'll tell you when I get throwers with bad shoulders, I tell them to kind of lay off the bench presses and whatnot. And, you know, even if it costs you a couple of miles an hour on your fastball, and as I said, it's more a matter of coordination than raw power. You know, you remember Ron Guidry back in the days, 5'10 or 5'11, threw really hard in the Mets. And then he had uh, Rick Russell for the Cubs, great big country guy, didn't throw that hard, you know, so uh, good pitchers. So, so it is, to me, very clear that it's the weightlifting uh, mm-hmm. because nothing has changed. And, and, you know, I was actually doing a little research looking back on how hard people threw. And it's kind of hard to tell. A guy like Bob Feller, um, I think, threw about as hard as the guys now. There just weren't many guys like him. And, you know, never got hurt, right? So I, I think that, and I'm not necessarily in the majority on this, but I think the upper body weightlifting is mm-hmm. what is the difference between now and then. I, I, I can't disagree with you one bit um weight lifting weight training is it's it's part of the uh the regiment um you know the reach the highest level as far as professional sports are concerned and it's obviously in baseball it's obviously um it's in track and field it's 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 everywhere because uh you know they talk about the athlete being bigger faster and stronger and weight lifting uh certainly contributes to that so um but again, that's why you, I think you see a lot of injuries, a lot of these athletes, uh, you know, going on a DL or, uh, you know, missing a start or whatever, because partially due to the, the weight training that they uh, they endure. And a lot of owners feel that if they're not doing the entire and you talked about, you know, losing velocity on, on your your pitching and your throwing. Um, but unfortunately, in this day and age, if owners take a look at you and, you know, you're clocked at 95 and you throw 97 or you're clocked at, you know, 93 and you're throwing, you know, 90, you know, that, that's, that's a area of concern for them. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like a catch 22. Yeah. But, you know, and I don't think there are too many pitchers out there like Greg Maddox, you know, who learned the skill and the craft of, of pitching a baseball without, you know, having to throw his arm off. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's the times that we live in, and when you're talking about multi-million dollar athletes and the money that they can generate, these owners are going to protect their interests as best as they can and as much as they can. And that calls for sitting them on the shelf. They're certainly going to do that. Because we've seen a lot of pictures over the uh, past uh, recent years that have been put on the shelf um, to prevent them from furthering damaging their arms. And, of course, a lot of pictures uh, going to Tommy John surgery. So um, it's an interesting dynamic as far as sports uh, – uh, Major League Baseball is concerned, but let's transition and swing on over to the uh, the gridiron, the National Football League, and uh, you know the National Football League are looking to try to get players back to the facilities. The Bears are uh, one of the uh, teams that's looking to get back over at Hallis Hall to start the workout. They just finished their virtual uh, workout meetings, and now they're trying to see how they can try to coordinate and get 
some of the coaches and players back over to Hallis Hall to get things started in hopes of having a 2020 football season this fall. Mitchell Trubisky is in uh, quarterback con con controversy or uh, competition. And first of all, Chicago, Bears, football. It's not football season unless there's some type of quarterback controversy. Right, Doc? Yeah, I mean, like everybody says, ever since Sid Luckman and except for a couple of years of Jim McMahon. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it's football season when there's quarterback controversy, and of course, the Bears traded and acquired Nick Foles, the uh, Super Bowl. Uh, Nick Foles, he's not uh, you know, the Tom Brady or the Joe Montana's or the uh, Patrick Mahomes of that type, um, but he's a little bit more uh, skill set as far as Matt Nagy's offense is concerned. And so, this is really the first time that Mitchell Trubisky is going to have uh, competition when training camp, whenever that starts, and he talked to the media and said that he had a chip on his shoulder, that he was upset uh, when the Bears made that move. And, of course, they didn't pick up his fifth-year option year. So um, they pretty much put all the eggs in Mitchell's basket and say, hey, listen, it's make it or break it, brother, and it's up to you to prove us wrong that you're an NFL-style quarterback. Uh, I think you and I talked about it, and others are talking about it as well, regarding a shoulder injury that he sustained Last season, I think it was against the Minnesota Vikings when he was uh, rolling out and he got tackled and he fell awkwardly and that left arm came up and hit the turf. And uh, we know later in the game he was pulled out because of the shoulder injury to Labrum. Uh, can you talk a little bit more about that injury and is it possible for him to uh, heal 100% and, and make a full recovery and come back to compete for the starting job for the Bears? Sure. And let me preface what I'm going to say, going to say by saying that I have no inside information on this. I have no confidential information. So what I'm going to discuss and opine is just based on what everybody can get from from reading the papers um, or online. Um, but, yeah, you know, I felt bad for him because it's interesting um, what he really had pretty clearly from what I read was a dislocated shoulder. So when you dislocate the shoulder, almost always you also tear the labrum. But the essence of his injury isn't the torn labrum. It gets a little complicated. You tear the inferior labrum. It's something at the bottom of the socket of the shoulder and in front a little. If you just have an isolated labrum tear causing pain, it's usually at the top of the labrum. But anyway, so calling it a shoulder dislocation, um, he uh, you know, didn't take much time off. Um, and then he came back and he played and I thought he handled it the right way. I give him a lot of credit and a lot of grit for doing it. I think the narrative was a little underreported and I don't know that people necessarily understood because what happened as everybody kind of knows when he came back, he did some good things, but you know, underperformed what was expected. Mm -hmm. um, and it was also clear to everybody that he was running less and for a mobile quarterback like him, throwing on the move and using his legs even to set up throws is kind of part of his game. And that part of his game was much, much less. Um, so I think he did exactly the right thing because I think I think he kind of knew, and I'm sure this was discussed, that if he kept on running like he was, he would be likelier to pop it out again. If your shoulder pops out, you can play with it. He couldn't have if it were his right throwing shoulder. Right. But for non-dominant shoulder, you can play with it. Sometimes people get harnesses to prevent you from lifting the shoulder. I don't think he probably did. Um, we do it with linemen sometimes. 
But but I think probably the narrative was that he just better be careful because if he scrambles and get tackled, which is how he heard it to begin with, it's likely to pop out again and then he misses more time. So I think he purposely tamped down his game. And I think that hurt his game. And so I think that the decrease in his performance was at least in part due to the injury. And mm-hmm. I don't know that that was made clear to people as much as maybe you know, it should have been, at least not from what I heard. So I think he did the right thing. I felt bad for him. He's obviously a tough guy for playing through it. But as to your question, can he heal all the way? Um, and again, I don't know exactly what was done. I know he had surgery. Almost always in this day and age, people have an arthroscopic repair. It's called an arthroscopic banquet repair. So let's just say that he had that through a scope to fix it. Um, so can he return all the way? Absolutely, he can. Although... Um, Although the failure rate for that procedure is actually kind of higher than you would think. And there are other examples that we can you know, maybe talk about at a later date where people have that surgery and they come back and it either doesn't work or it works and the person re-injures it. But one way or another, they don't stay fine. So statistically, it is likely that he won't have the problem again. And again, I don't know who did the surgery, but I'm sure whoever did it did a terrific job of it. It isn't a matter of the quality of the surgeon in general. It's just that inherently arthroscopic repairs of dislocated shoulders just have a significant failure rate. So in looking at this, probably he'll be okay. I certainly hope he'll be okay. Right. But there is a higher chance that, you know, that that maybe he won't be completely okay. While the chances mm-hmm. are small, it's it's more than what you would think. Um, and, you know, there's also a question from his end, how much he's going to trust it and how much he's, you know, he's going to run. I think probably he's going to trust it and use his legs and unless they have other schematic reasons not to. Um, and, uh, and I hope he's okay. But as I say, if you look at athletes overall, and this has been studied, um, there's a little more of a failure rate with that treatment than maybe is commonly recognized. So, so do you think, and that was very well said and a lot of information there, um, because there's insiders who suggest that the shoulder isn't 100%. Um, but of course, uh, Mr. Trubisky, like I mentioned, spoke with the media this, uh, this week of this, uh, broadcast and, uh, his teammate, uh, the running back Tariq Cohen said, Mitchell Trubisky looks fantastic. He looks better than he's ever seen him from what he was able to see, I guess, on the Zoom uh, meetings that they were having that uh, Mitchell Trubisky is working out and he's 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 on point as far as his skills are concerned. So uh, they're kind of I know the players are there to protect each other and say all the good things and the positive positive things. But there are some insiders who believe that that shoulder just simply it's, it's not 100 percent and it, 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 it needs to be monitored. Uh, over some time. Is that an accurate assessment in your opinion? Yeah, it is. And it's a question of what 100% means. So the non-throwing shoulder is, you know, it's much easier to get it to where it needs to be. The things that cannot be 100%, you -hmm. cannot get your full range of motion back. Now, in a throwing shoulder, that's problematic. In a non-throwing shoulder, to use it to stabilize the football, um, if his motion is anywhere near what it used to be, that's going to be fine. Strength will probably be fine. Um, if his strength 
um, isn't perfect. Um, that probably, um, you know, isn't going to matter a whole lot for his non-throwing uh, arm. Now, if it redislocates again, obviously that's a big problem. But I would expect that he probably is fine for the non-throwing arm. And then it's a question of how long, you know, what's a full fix. So in my hands, um, and, 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 and I've operated on NFL players with this problem. So in my hands, it's six months to full contact. We mm-hmm. let people do things a lot before that. Um, now, some people might push the envelope and say four months, you know, whatever. It's kind of dealer's choice for the individual um, surgeon. But I, I bet Terry Cohn's telling the truth and Mitchell Trubisky, too. And I bet he feels good and I bet he looks good for what he has to use it for. Um, the question's going to be if he is tackled. And, you know, generally he slides and it isn't even an issue. When, when he heard it, it was kind of a f- funny thing. So they'll probably tell him, you know, be sure and slide. Don't go diving for that first down unless it's the Super Bowl, you know. So um, uh, I, I think that the one thing that would matter is if it pops out of the socket again. And you're not, if that happens, it's not going to happen un, until game action, probably. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the, uh, anyone could go out in their backyard and throw the football through a tire and feel superb. I mean, I used to do that all the time and think that, you know, hey, I'm the next Bears quarterback. But once somebody is coming pounding on, on you and, and, and pounding you to the t- ground, that's a different story, Doc. Uh, would you like to share with us who you've, uh, uh, perform surgery on regarding this uh, particular shoulder injury? Can you, you share know, that with the audience? Um, I got to tell you, I, I can't. Okay. I'll tell you, um, and I, I'll tell you the names of people who know. One guy in particular, the team didn't know he did it. And uh, it was at the end of the year, and he didn't want him to know. Right. And and I and, and I didn't tell him and uh, um, fixed it. Yeah. And he... He went back, um, was told he had to gain, uh, I'd say he was a lineman, had to gain 15 pounds of muscle. And so we pushed him harder than mm-hmm. I ever pushed anybody, sooner than I felt comfortable. Right. And um, he had six months to get it done, and he did, and he went back and played a long time afterwards. And, you know, thank goodness, um, <clears throat> you know, never had a problem. But, yeah, um, yeah but I can't. Um, no, it's, but, it's but okay. I, I Always got to push the envelope, Doc. Yeah. I mean, people watching and listening, they they want to get a little bit of uh, juice, a little bit of meat off of the bone. So, you know, we have to see if we can give them something. Um, it's a great uh, podcast. It's a weekly podcast. And there's a lot more that we can dive into and a lot more that we certainly will dive into uh, week moving forward. Uh, again, the National Football League looking to get players and coaches back to the uh, respective facilities around the the league around the country as states continue to open up. Hopefully the pandemic won't uh, rear its ugly head for a second phase and we can continue to move forward and get back to, uh, I guess, a new normalcy, so to speak. And hopefully we'll get a chance to see some some football this fall. But um, we're definitely going to touch more on the Chicago Bears and a couple of players on the roster who uh, sustained some injuries as well regarding the shoulder and and other parts. And uh, we're certainly looking forward to talking with you to get a little bit more insight on that. Jerry, it's just absolutely my, my pleasure and uh, especially such a pleasure doing it with, with somebody like you who kind of keep, keeps things moving and keeps it interesting. Well, you keep it interesting and keep it moving, too. And uh, you're the, 
the, the best in the business and what you do, and we really appreciate it. And if people want to get a hold of you, if they want to find out more about sports injuries, whether you know it is the shoulder or the knee or the uh, the ankle or anything uh, in between that uh, you can share, uh, how do they get a hold of you? How can they reach you and find out more? Uh, one is our, our main phone number. Um, I just tell you, it's 847-699-6810. Mm-hmm. And then there's an email uh, to our office that's just ortho at ismoc. That's Illinois Sports Medicine and Orthopedic Centers, but ortho at ismoc.net. And if any of the listeners or viewers have questions for this podcast, um, we're going to start sharing some of them um, as well. So you can just direct them to that email and we'll look through them. Thank you so very much, Dr. Chad Pedromas. He is the expert president, Illinois Sports Medicine and Orthopedic Center here in uh, the great Chicago, Illinois, just outside in Glenville, Illinois. Another episode of Sports Medicine Update, your weekly podcast. Doc, thank you so very much. Stay safe and we'll talk to you next week. Likewise, Jerry. Thank you.